Hi, I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, with a conversation that touches issues on the minds of just about every working designer and architect today. We're talking about the pivot. You know the pivot, the pivot that we all have been forced to make. It's different for everyone, but as times and issues keep changing from minute to minute, we find ourselves looking for ways to change, change how we work, how we make the work change for us. Okay, follow me for a second. The business of design has changed now that it takes 12 months to get that sofa and 18 months for some appliances. Everything has and continues to change. And I wanted to hear how some in the business are addressing that change. So for the next hour, you will be hearing from Tara McNutt with RI Studio in Dallas, Kristen with Cozy Casa Design in Austin, and Veronica Farrell with VF Interiors in Chicago. You're gonna hear about three very different yet remarkably similar approaches to the business of design. Similar in that they do what's needed to get the job done in their own unique and fabulous ways, yet they each go about it with a different approach. And I think, I, I hope, that you will be as fascinated by this as I am. This is The Pivot, and we'll get to it right after this. For well over a year now, you have been hearing incredible conversations, interviews, and panels with amazing creative talent as part of our Wellness and Design Thought Leadership series presented by Thermosol. It has been and continues to be an absolute joy working with the entire team at Thermosol from the top down. This multi-generational family business has been producing the gold standard in steam generators, saunas, steam showers, and steam shower accessories for decades. Thermosol is the original steam shower with technology that is state-of-the-art, made and manufactured in the United States. The company's history with steam showers started by David Altman in 1958. Murray Altman acquired Thermosol's steam bath division in 1989, and the company is now led by Mitch Altman from their world-class production facility in Round Rock, Texas. The most successful designers and architects are using steam showers to maximize wellness, relaxation, and enjoyment for their clients. Thermosol is a staunch advocate for the design trade, and I am so proud to have them as a presenting partner of Convo by Design and the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series. If not familiar with the entire range of Thermosol products, please check out thermosol.com. So as mentioned, um, this is the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series for Convo by Design presented by Thermosol. And we're, we're I'm calling this one the pivot panel. And this idea of the pivot is going to be coming up a great deal. I think it's, it's one of those, you know, those ideas where um, things start coming up and then they gain steam. And as they gain, gain steam, it just becomes part of the business. And so those are some of the, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I, before we do that, I want to go around and, get an introduction. And so Veronica, you and I got to catch up a little bit first. I'm going to start with you, maybe just a, a brief intro about you and, and your business. 
Uh, so I'm Veronica Farrow. I own a business called VF Interiors in Chicago, Illinois. I'm a residential designer. Um, I do primarily new construction and uh, remodels. Very cool. Kristen? I'm Kristen Marino. I own Cozy Casa in Austin, Texas. I do both residential and commercial design, um, pretty much 50-50 of both. Um, Residential-wise, focusing mainly on new construction and remodels as well, and then commercial, the whole shebang. So, yeah. Love it. Tara? Hi, my name is Tara McNutt, and I own RI Studio just north of Dallas in Prosper, Texas. And I focus on residential design from um, remodels to new construction, full furnishings, the whole shebang. The whole shebang has come up twice in conversation, and I don't think I've said, I've heard that word. I love it. Okay, love it. Um, first thing wanted to start with, because it is, it is probably the thing that everyone is talking about more now than, than ever before. And, and listen, I'm, it's so great. So Veronica, you're in Chicago. Tara, you're in North Texas. Kristen, you're, you're in Austin. And I'm in Tulsa. So I'm working on a design house project for Convo by Design here in Tulsa. And it's so funny. So we're recording this in late May. We started the design process with our designers back in July, August, specified and ordered in September. And it's May. And I still don't have it. Um, I, I've gotten some product. There are some products from product partners that I've worked with that have been nothing short of amazing. One of which, which I will show, throw out here because they're a partner of the, of the podcast um, is Article. And I don't know if you've ever worked with them, but love the, the modern furniture, but it was amazing. The delivery was seamless. It was white glove. It got here in eight weeks. It exactly when they said it was going to get here. I mean, it was, it was really amazing. That is not the norm. And so I'm going to get to deliveries in a minute, but I want to start with supply chain. And as tired of talking about supply chain as we all are, I, I'm curious, not what it's been, because we all get that. But Kristen, I want to start with you. What are you seeing right now? How have things changed? And what does that tell you about the way things are looking in the in the near to mid distant future? Well, um, yeah, it, it's no secret. The supply chain is severely backed up in all industries. Um, you know, ours isn't, you know, anything special. Everything is backed up. Um, I, I will say for the most part, most of my clients have been really understanding and they get that things are just taking a long time and people I'm finding are willing to wait. Um, you know, they want what they want. They know they're investing a pretty penny in their new furnishings or a remodel and they're willing and going to wait for the right piece instead of spending, um, a little bit less money on something not as high quality for something that they can get more immediate. Tara, curious, uh, with regard to cost increases on product and delivery in particular. How are you explaining that to your clients? And, and I think what we've gotten in general is that clients are, are far more accepting of this, which I think it's interesting. I think they've, that 
it's been messaged properly that you you just it's the way it is so you can pout and throw a temper tantrum but it's not going to change anything how do you handle that with your clients what has the response been for you i think some clients um like kristen said are are willing to wait for high end quality goods i think i have had a couple of clients recently say if there's anything we can do to alleviate shipping cost by sourcing locally or you know having things delivered to our home or something like that, you know, clients are, are really realizing how much shipping, and it's probably because they're buying other things too, not just furnishings, and they're seeing the high shipping costs themselves in, in other ways. And I think, um, you know, they're, they're recognizing that and they're, they're wondering what can we do to kind of alleviate some of that cost. And Veronica, curious, um, along those same, same lines, what have you done it feels like everyone is looking at potentially finding local options. And I, you know, I think all three of you work on kitchens, Veronica, you and I had a chance to talk a little bit. I love your kitchens. Um, appliances are probably some of the worst. And, it, and with appliances, it's not like you can, um, it's not like you can get a storage unit or a warehouse and warehouse product while you wait, especially with, with how are you, how do you handle that? And when it's a eight to 12 waiting is one thing, but when you get an eight to 12 month delivery window, eight to 12 months, how, how are you, how are you working with that? With my clients, it all is about just communication and setting expectations and also a lot of it is just being flexible. And sometimes as much as it is about, you know, they want what they want, sometimes it does come down to, well, what is a, a second option that could be just as good as this first option that maybe is eight to 12 month, but could get here at a more reasonable lead time. Because there are things that are still coming in more reasonable times, but you just have to be very flexible and be able to sort of pivot and find those things that can work with these projects and have clients that are willing to kind of go on that ride with you and, and not get so set in stone about some of their choices and, and be able to, to kind of move with, you know, what, what things are going. How has that changed the way that you plan and that you put timelines together and that you you put a specification list together? Because all three of you, look, it's part of the business where you learn your timelines, you learn how to organize, you learn, okay, I've got to get this and then I've got to work with the trades and then I've got, you know, I got to get the tile guy in, you know, to do the backsplash before I can get the delivery of, you know, the appliances in because if I do it the other way, I mean, it's just part of the business. That's what the clients, it, it, that's one of the superpowers of designers is being able to organize this accordingly. This has thrown everything completely off kilter. How has that changed the way you do two things in particular? Number one, work with your trades because that's something that I hear a lot is that, you know, we're, we're burning through trades right now in, in large part, because many of the trades are going where the money is, and there's this bidding war to get trades to come out and do their jobs first, which I think is, is a short-term victory for some individuals and a, and a long-term loss. Because, you know, are you going to go back and work with those same guys who, who burned you? I'm just curious, Veronica, follow-up to that is how, how has that changed 
the manner in which you process and schedule? Well, it's, I guess you sort of, you start with what your longest lead time would be. Um, and you kind of work backwards from there. Um, but it has been a really challenging time because as you said, you know, a lot of these trades, it is that they go where the money is and you're getting some quotes that are just astronomical and you're getting people that, you know, at one point were very reliable that are no longer, you know, your go-to people. And so it has been a really interesting couple of years to sort of put together these projects and be able to kind of offer the same level of, of service that, that we had before. Tara, curious, and, and by the way, um, this is not a Q&A. If, if y'all want to jump in on a particular question or topic or subject, please just feel, feel free to jump right in. Tara, I'm curious, um, along the product timeline uh, or specification product process, you're in North Texas. I spent nine years in Dallas. I love North Texas. I'm looking forward to coming out as part of the West Edge Design Fair um, at Market Center in September to see some folks again I, that I'm really excited to see. I know North Texas very, very well. You have amazing resources in Texas. How, how have you used this opportunity? Do you, do you have other options, you know, going out to Roundtop to find unique items and unique products, having, you know, resources, you've got Arteriors Home, I think is, is in Dallas. You've got, you know, you've got Thermosol, which is, which is in um, Round Rock, you know, for steam showers and, and steam generators, which otherwise might take a long time to get there. Have you used your, your local resources to specify new ideas? And, and along those, along that same line, has that changed the way you work with your clients to say, you know what, this Italian furniture is, is going to, the cost on this is now outrageous. The timeline is now outrageous. The delivery cost is outrageous. Have you changed the way you do this? And if so, where are you finding your new products from? Absolutely. I feel like um, ever since, you know, 2020, a lot of clients, um, you know, are doing so much to their homes. And so business is great, but the resources is getting a little bit um, tricky to provide for clients in a timely fashion. So, you know, um, I've been down to Roundtop a couple of times to source locally, which is a great option for me. Um, I'm so lucky that I get to just make a quick drive down there to do that sourcing locally in the Dallas area too, just even using a lot of antiques and repurposing things. I feel like that's where a lot of my business is kind of going, um, you know, including some more of the traditional elements in a new way, in a new fashion too, is really um, helping alleviate some of that longer lead time, ordering something new, um, having something custom made, waiting eight to 12 months for it when I can just source something locally and have it refinished and update it. You know, speaking to that a little bit and Kristen shifting over to you. Um, I, I love Austin. I love Austin. It's a great city. <laughs> I will tell you that I loved Austin more in 1997, mm -hmm. but I do love Austin. Um, <laughs> That being said, one of the things that I really do love about Austin is 
there is this one firm, one foot is firmly planted in the future and you can tell by the architecture and design, yet the other is firmly planted in the past. Um, mm -hmm. You don't just go and tear down buildings for the sake of making something new. And, and being a native Angelino and from LA, that is part of the culture in Los Angeles, you know, is, oh, knock it down, we've got a better idea. I'm, I'm interested too to know about the resources you have, not so much in the companies, but in the workrooms, because I feel like in all three, and, and all three of you, please feel free to chime in on this. I would love your, your take on this. I feel like we are in the era of the rise of the local workroom, where because of certain challenges, you're having these artisans come back into the fold and starting these local workrooms where it's like, look, if you can't get this from a major, major manufacturer, we can make it for you. What do you want? And, you know, let's, let's talk it through that way, which makes designers more product designers, as well as interior designers as well. And Kristen, I'm, I'm curious what the local workroom situation is like for you in Austin and do you take advantage of it? Yeah, uh, that's a great point. And what I was thinking about um, as you were speaking about Dallas. So Austin, um, we're, we're obviously a, a growing city. Everybody knows that. But Austin is still kind of small, um, whereas we don't have a huge design center like Dallas, for example. So the local workrooms really do um, take precedence um, in our city. And I, I love utilizing the local workrooms. Now I'm finding having something custom made. Clients love that. Um, there's a big culture in Austin for local is better, support small business, um, you know, not and not so much the mass produced items. Previously, I, I kind of thought that, you know, clients had a notion in their head like, oh, custom made, it's going to be way more expensive. It's out of our budget. But now with what shipping and freight costs are, local can be less expensive. And then it can even come in sooner too, because it's being made down the street instead of overseas, won't sit on a shipping container for who knows how long. And then you just put it on a truck and deliver it. Yeah. Veronica, same question for you. Being in Chicago, it's a major city. It's a major metropolitan city. You're, you're, but, but along with that too, now you have kind of the issues where you're not going to have workrooms so much out in the burbs with, with, rental rates and real estate costs and raw material costs, has that put a, put a hamper on what the local workrooms are able to do for you? Um, no, there still are quite a few um, local workrooms and manufacturers that are local to the Chicago or Chicago area. And that's been a huge thing um, for me as well. And so knowing, you know, which furniture manufacturers are still made in Chicago and being able to go to them when I'm looking for custom furniture pieces. And um, there's a, a, a manufacturer that makes vanities that is still manufactured in the Chicagoland area. I'm being able to, to utilize them when I'm looking for bathroom projects. And um, so going to those sorts of places has helped dramatically um, when you're looking for things for, for these quicker lead times. So shifting from there, you know, and it's, it's hard, it's a little challenging for me to ask this particular question because 
not everyone understands the finer nuances of this. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to put a point on it without, without pontificating too much, but uh, being a native Angelino, you know, if you're designing and building in LA, you're not building natural gas into new builds anymore. Your water restrictions are so severe that, you know, look in Texas or in Illinois, what you can specify, you don't even realize some of the things that you can specify now are not available in California. And there are clients that will actually order, you know, for, for bathroom remodels, they'll just order the, the Home Depot contractor special. And then after the inspections are done, they drive to Arizona or Nevada to pick up their luxury toilets. You know, it's, it's really, and it's a workaround that you're able to do, but I'm wondering too, if the idea of sustainability and not to mention that, but because electricity costs and water costs and, and sanitation costs, because everything continues to go up. I'm curious if the sentiment is changing for your clients, even though as of yet, it doesn't, it doesn't have to change. And I, I wanna, actually, I'm gonna go around, Veronica, I wanna start with you. And then Tara and Kristen, the same question to you two, but I want to know from your perspective um, if solar or electricity has changed at all because of what happened to the grid year and a half, two years ago. So Veronica, starting with you, is there a, is there more of an idea that sustainable is, and it's a choice, right? It's good for the planet, good for the pocketbook. Sometimes the two do not comport. What are you finding? I'm not finding that it's, really as top of mind as it was before. Um, it still is some a consideration that we take in, um, but it's not really as big, um, at least with the clients that I've been working with. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that is because of what's been going on recently or not, but um, it's definitely something that I always sort of keep in mind when I'm making selections but it's not necessarily uh, something that the clients have been um, coming to me and specifically saying we want to to keep you know these sustainable things. Was th was there a time when when that was a priority? Um, a couple of years ago, I would say that it was more important. Um, I had more clients sort of specifically um, requesting products that were sustainable. Um, and now I have not gotten as many of those sorts of specific requests. Interesting. So, yeah. Tara. I think that, um, I have a couple of clients that are actually from California that are of that mindset of sustainability is better, um, that are conscious of it. I don't say that it's through everything, but you know, they are asking questions, um, that most Texans haven't had to ask yet. Um, and I think the whole grid thing, <laughs> how crazy that was. I mean, I haven't heard anybody saying that they need to cut back on, you know, power and savings and, and things like that to help alleviate that. Um, I mean, I haven't had any experience with it, but as far as sustainability, I think some people, you know, taking a little bit twist on that is just, you know, really reusing pieces in a different way um, instead of buying new. 
I think that part of sustainability is, is something that I've been, you know, approached about. It's kind of, I don't know if that's more for cost or more for just, you know, you know, repurposing things so they don't have to throw it away or things like that. You are listening to The Pivot and we'll be right back. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively with respect to interior design, exterior design and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies and one of my favorites is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable and highly functional kitchen, bath and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, To that point, I I think part of it is replacement. Part of it's throwing it away. Part of it's, you know, that that guilt of throwing something relatively new away when you can repurpose it into something else. Um, And because availability and cost has been an issue, I think it's all all tied together. Kristen, I, I... it's funny because I feel like Austinites, would you be an Austinite? Yes. Yeah. And actually I'm laughing because of, of everything that was um, just mentioned. I have a lot of experience in reusing materials. I, I find a lot of clients, especially when they buy a home that is a teardown or a builder, they purposely tear down an older home to build a new home. Um, I find I have a lot of clients asking to reuse, whether it's the original wood floor, or can we use the, you know, the brick, whatever material is. Um, I have a lot of people asking for that sort of thing. Um, And then going back to the solar panels, a lot of clients also saying, Hey, uh, we're, we're planning on doing solar panels. So we really need to watch the budget when it comes to the plumbing selections or the tile or et cetera, whatever it is. Um, So they're already planning to have money for solar panels. So they need to cut back in, in other areas. So Thank you for that, by the way. And Christian, it's funny because I feel like where I was going is Austinites are very similar to Californians. You know, mm-hmm. I, with with Californians, I can tell you it's been beaten into me. Yeah. This sustainability and saving Mother Earth has been beaten into me since I was in elementary school. Yeah. So it just started a lot sooner. Um, but now the Californians are moving everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have a lot here. <laughs> I know. Um, Along those lines, I wanted to shift over to, you know, this, this conversation, you know, is, is entitled The Pivot, right? Because the business is changing. And one of the things that's really interesting, just out of curiosity, um, going around the heart, Christian, how long have you been doing this? I've had my, my own firm for about two and a half years now. I've been designing for 12 or 13, though. Okay. Um, Tara? Um, about five years with my own firm. And then, yeah, 10, maybe 10 years in the business. Veronica? Uh, seven years. How long? 
Seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. So here's what's interesting. Um, none of you are new to this. And so you have recognized that every time something like this, something like the pandemic happens, so there will be this whole new flood of designers coming into the industry. Last time this happened was during the pandemic, uh, not the pandemic, during the recession. When the recession happened, 08, 09, all of these, some of you may have gotten into design at the uh, right around that time as well. Um, and then prior to that, you know, every time there is an economic or any other type of social disruption where you have people moving to different industries, there will be people who realize, <clears throat> you know, I'm a creative person. I want to go do this. And then there are a couple of different ways you get into it. And as you get into it, then you start, if, especially if you work for someone else, then you learn how they do it. And then you figure out what you like and don't like. When it comes to billing, here's what I find really interesting. You, you, all three of you, as well as every other designer and architect right now is being really challenged and squeezed. You're billing for your business, for your time, for your expertise. At the same time, the budgets are going up so fast because of the cost of goods, the cost of delivery, convenience costs. Um, it seems like if anyone out there can charge a fee for something, they've added it in. In addition to that, now you have certain things that, and I talk about power because right now whole home generators are huge, especially in Texas. Um, if a whole home generator is going to take $15,000 off of the budget, if solar panels are going to take $22,000 off the budget, how do, you, how do you reorganize the business that you do? And has the, the past two and a half years changed the manner in which you bill, you charge for what you do? Has it changed your business? And Veronica, I'll, I'll start with, with you. Um, has it changed the manner in which you, you do your business, either cost-wise or socially, maybe putting a, a premium on, if we talk on the weekend, it's going to cost you 10 to 15% more. Um, I, have client, I have designers who have done that with their clients. How has this changed the way that you bill and handle the business side? Um, it really hasn't changed. I've always been hourly. And um, I guess the only change that I have made has been I've set um, a lot more restrictions in terms of when I take calls and um, how often I respond to text messages, because it does seem like that has increased quite a bit. Um, I never responded to phone calls on the weekends, um, but every now and then I would um, respond to a text message if it was something really quick, um, but I have since stopped that. Um, but really, I look at it like this is a luxury, and if, if they need to, I guess, cut this budget, and they don't want to pay for this service, then I, that wasn't the right client for, for me. And I just have to find a new client. But I don't see where I would need to, I guess, reduce my time or my hours or, or whatever to fit within, within, I guess, their budget. But um, 
that's sort of how I've I found with the billing. Kristen? Um, so, I mean, I have upped my rates um, along with, you know, every other trade that I work with. So I've upped my rates. I do not bill hourly. I do charge flat fee um, and every, you know, just it's based on the project scope. Um, so that has increased and I've scaled back what I am willing to offer service wise. Um, so like I said at the beginning, I really am trying to focus primarily on new construction and remodels and with anything furnishing for a residential project, um, it has to be, you know, a full, like a full service room, um, at least one, preferably more than one in the house, but any of like the smaller one-off jobs, like accessories or styling, like while I do love that part of the job, I'm a one woman show. I'm a solo entrepreneur. I just don't have the bandwidth for it. I wish I did. Um, and maybe in the future, when I grow my team, I can start taking on the smaller jobs, but it just takes too much time. And with the workload that I do have, I really had to focus on a few things here and there instead of offering everything under the sun. Tara. Yeah. I, mine has changed a little bit. Um, I typically bill, um, with a fixed design fee and I have now since up to my rate a little bit. Um, but I've also put in an hours cap for that design fee because I have noticed that projects are taking so much longer than I anticipated and I, that than they used to like even a year longer, <laughs> which can really, <laughs> really can, can really hurt your bottom line. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's something I had to input. And then a couple of projects after, you know, they reach that hours cap can go to an hourly rate until they finish out their project. That kind of keeps them a little bit motivated to keeping the project moving along, I guess. But that was a big change, I think, in my billing. I'm I'm curious too. Have you have you all seen your billing go up in the past? Let's 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 take the first year and a half of the pandemic out of the equation because I just think it was such an an anomaly. Um, but the last year to eighteen months, have you seen billings go up overall? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it due to more clients or because each project now costs more? both maybe i would say more projects more you know more projects the more demand you're in i guess you can raise your rates a little bit or be a little more selective on the projects that you take so if that's the case let's let's shift a little bit to the time management of things because it's funny before 2020 you know i had i had noticed a trend and was talking about it a, a great deal that at the time the, you know, your average designer and architect was spending about 120% of their work time doing the job. And that means that they're at a deficit, that 20% of the time that they were, you know, that extra 20% was coming from somewhere else. It was coming from yoga classes. It was coming from spending time with the kids. It was coming from you know, doing the recreational things, reading a book, listening to music, listening to a podcast like Convo by Design, for example. Um, maybe, you know, we're not doing that as much because we, we have to manage social media. 
we have to check on specification. We have to, we have to learn new products. We have to check for new samples. We have to find out where our sofa is. Um, we, we have to, designers have to do so much more now than you were doing before that at some point something has to give. And with that comes, do you, you know, Kristen, do you grow your team? Tara, do you find another assistant? Veronica, do you have to advertise more because the word of mouth, which traditionally is what maybe you would have relied on for new clients, isn't necessarily there. And if the clients are, are spending more with you, which is great, but cost of product and goods delivery has all eaten into that extra cost, where does it, where does it give, you know, and I, and I'm curious, this is sort of the creative writing portion where we, we talk about kind of like, yeah, I have to advertise a little bit and here's where I've gone. Traditionally word of mouth is where we find new clients, but now we, we have to do this. Um, social media. Yeah. Don't do it anymore because I, I just don't have the time. Kristen, where does it give? Um, how, do you market? Where do you find new clients? How do you manage social media as a, as a, as a one woman show? So you are speaking my love language. I, per, I value, I always have, even before I started my own firm, I value the work-life balance so much. Um, so for me being, you know, the one woman show, I outsource all the help that I have. I have, um, someone who does all my drawings, even though I know AutoCAD, like the back of my hand, I have outsourced my social media. I have outsourced my blog writing and just other, all these hats that, you know, I had to wear, but didn't have time to wear. Um, when it comes to clients and projects, going back to what Terry said, um, that was a great point, putting like the hour cap on your flat fee, but also being really clear with, your clients. I do not work on weekends or if you do, you know, how often you're going to be willing to work on weekends when you take phone calls, when you take text messages, if you do just setting that clear boundary of when you're available to your client. Tara. Yeah. Um, the, the boundary thing is hard for me. I'm not going <laughs> to lie <laughs> because I love what I do like so much. And, um, you know, I do have a young daughter and, you know, she just went through kindergarten and all the activities that you want to be involved in. And so finding that work-life balance has been a little difficult this year since, you know, um, jobs have increased and, and time has just kind of been overcommitted. Um, but it is a goal that I have set for myself, but definitely outsourcing, you know, some of the social media, which can take up a lot of time, um, has been very beneficial for, my, for me. Yeah, Veronica. Same. I I finally started outsourcing a lot um, just about a year ago. So all of my social media um, and also all of my bookkeeping and sort of management part of the business, um, I've started outsourcing all of that. So that's taken a huge um, chunk of time off of my hands, and uh, that's been a that's been a big game changer for me. Okay, so I love this. I want to go back in the other direction this time with a follow-up because um, I have had to do the same on my end. I feel like you know you've you kind of drilled into something that is ubiquitous, and everyone kind of has to look into that. 
At the same time, I will tell you, um, there are some very flaky individuals out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, I've, I've outsourced editing and I would have people who would work on it for a couple of weeks and then I would be expecting something and it didn't come. And I, and then just get the, the, the curt email back. Yeah, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say, well, wait a minute, hold it. You know, we, I think it requires an honest conversation to say, and I don't want to just pin it on a certain generation millennials. I'm not, or (laughs) I'm just, you know, or, or, or Gen Z, I'm not saying anything in particular, but I will tell you that is, it is, there is a, there is a culture shift right now. And I feel like millennials are starting to come into the fold. Gen X got there a little bit quicker. Um, Millennials, this has forced them to kind of come into the fold. And I think that they're late to the party as far as um, business relations, business relationships. Um, Gen Z, I just don't think, I have had a lot of issues with Gen Z. And I'm just curious, is that, is it fair to say that? Veronica, I'll start, I'll start with you. Have you had the same issues? And if so, how have you navigated those? Because I feel like it's a big issue. Yes. And I've, it's been social media that I found that the most. And I don't know if it's just because that's sort of that generation is more or more comfortable, more adept with social media and that part of it. But I've gone through a lot of different social media managers and different people that have helped me with that. And they've worked for a couple of months or a couple of weeks and then have just sort of ghosted. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So uh, it's been a very difficult one to find someone that's gonna be consistent in helping with that part of it um, without having to go with, you know, a large advertising or PR company, which is not something that I need. I just need somebody that's going to um, be consistent and, you know, just show up. Um, and that's also something, you know, I'd love to be able to have an intern or bring on an assistant or something, but that's also been kind of a hard one too, to find somebody that's going to be able to be reliable, um, just to be kind of a, you know, a, a second person, but I don't know if the other ladies have found that difficult as well, but I've been struggling with that part. Yeah, Tara, I'm curious, same issue or is it perfect in your world and there's been no issues whatsoever? Absolutely, no, absolutely not. (laughs) No, I think, um, you know, it's a work ethic thing. Um, I grew up working for my mom who worked for a home builder and she said, and when you work for your mama, it's kind of scary, but she said, you know, you don't just sit around and ask, wait for me to tell you to do something, you find something to do. And that's always kind of stuck in my brain when I'm working for somebody else. Um, But I don't feel like, um, I guess a lot of the younger generation kind of has that same work ethic. Like you just get in and get it done. You do what needs to be done. You don't wait around and you perform well and you go above and beyond. Um, That's what I want. It's hard to find. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Kristen, Mm -hmm. same thing? 
Well, yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. I think there's also, and while I fully support this, by the way, but there's a, I feel like a big community of people, especially Gen Z or the younger generation who want to do their own thing, quote unquote, have their own business or just work for themselves doing whatever it is they want to do. And with the age of social media and the internet where it is today, it's very doable. It's very easy for people to make a career out of almost anything. Um, so yeah, the, the younger generation, you know, you could bring in an intern or assistant for a couple of weeks and then they ghost you. And next thing you know, you see them on social media posting that they're doing their own design business or their own whatever business. So I think that's a big, um, you know, a big thing right now. And well, I, I totally support working for yourself and having, having your own thing going on. I think the ghosting is a big problem. If it's not the ghosting, then it's people working somewhere for a couple of weeks and, and they just kind of job bounce. Um, no one seems to want to be in one place for a long time. So that kind of leads into the next area where I was going, which was really interesting. And, and I'm just curious, I sort of, rapid fire, just to find out, Kristen, do you right. share your resources with your, your trade group? Absolutely. Yeah. I have absolutely no problem sharing any of my resources. I'm a member of multiple local and um, nationwide Facebook groups and LinkedIn and Instagram messaging other designers in the area, like, Hey, I need a contractor. No problem sharing. Tara. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of really close design friends that, you know, if they need something or I need something, we always reach out to each other. So it's really, you know, kind of, we're all in this together at some point. Yeah. Veronica, you and I were talking a little bit about ASID prior to this. Do you do you share resources? Yeah, and that's the same. I, and I also have like a group of close design friends and it's the same thing. We'll, we'll text or call each other and be like, I need a contractor or a wallpaper installer or something. And we're constantly sharing that information. So I, that is one thing that I do think is that this industry is a lot more collaborative than I think people might perceive it to be, um, which I think is, is a wonderful thing. So reverse engineering the question, because it's interesting. I, I've had a lot of conversations with some designers and it's interesting where geographically where many of these are and they're like, yeah, no, I don't share my resources. I do not. <laughs> it's really interesting because, um, and I think a lot of it is geographical, uh, geographic in nature. Because um, you know, Veronica and I were talking a little bit about you know East Coast, West Coast, and in in certain, the more competitive a marketplace is, not as far as the work goes, but as far as maybe the the just sheer volume and population of designer to client ratio, right? The more competitive it is in those types of markets, the, the less sharing of resources that takes place. And I, I kind of wanted to follow up with this a little bit on the other side. What do, you, what do you need? What do you wish you had? What resources do you wish were available to you that would help you, I don't know, get clients faster, do more business. What, what industry, what industry trade, what can industry trade groups do for you? What can industry events do? Look, I, I do the programming for the West Edge Design Fair in Los Angeles and, and this year in Dallas. 
And every year when, when ideating and curating programming, it's based on what you need, you know, and what you're looking for. And that changes every year. I'm curious, what do you need? What, what isn't out there that could help you do better business? Veronica. Um, <laughs> reliable contractors, um, <laughs> just better relationships between contractors and designers. I think that that is something that it's a really contentious relationship sometimes. I think contractors can view designers as just kind of useless, um, that they can do our job and that we're unnecessary. And I, I wish that that was a much better relationship. And maybe if there's a way to educate contractors on the value that designers can bring that we can actually make their projects easier and higher value to them as well. Um, and that we can be really working in tandem with each other to do a lot more business. Um, it would be a lot you know, better and easier for everybody, but that's been a big struggle for me. I know. And a lot of my designer friends is finding contractors that are not only reputable, but also easy to work with and enjoyable to work with. So I have a follow-up and, you know, I hate asking the question, but I will anyway. Um, is it because you're a designer or because you're a woman? Both. It, it's because, and also I think age as well. Um, I'm 36, but when you're dealing with middle-aged men and you're, you know, a younger woman, I think that that's another thing too. So um it's, it's a, a whole lot of all of that, but yes. Yeah. Tara, what do you need? What could help I mean, you? I mean, I think reliable subs and contractors is a great point. Um, you know, it's not just the contractor, the one who's managing the project. It's also the, the tile installer. It's the good painter. It's those, you know, that group that's going to be able to be on any job for you. And you know, the, Like that is it's it's hard to find um i would say that's one major weak point that i have and and i think there's just so many contractors in dallas um but they're all running to the bigger better jobs like you had mentioned earlier so it's hard to keep them on your small bathroom remodel or you know smaller things boy that's true isn't it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, same question with a spin a little bit, aside from the contractors and the trades, and I'm taking that one away from you. Um, what, <laughs> what else, what else, what, what do you need that isn't currently available from an information or a resource standpoint that the, that the trade organizations or events can provide? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, honestly, a lot of information is out there. Um, you just sort of have to know where to look um, and also, you know, what it, <laughs> what it is that you need. For me personally, I find that being in a city like Austin without a huge design center and without a lot of to the trade showrooms, um, having more, I guess, I don't know if it would be sales reps, but more availability of the trade lines, like somehow to be able to see them in person without going to market. So um, 
like my clients, they're about to spend, you know, however much on a sofa, and then they can't even see or sit on the cushion because there isn't a local showroom where they could see it. And I'm, I have to be like, no, trust me. It's made in North Carolina. I've sat on it. It's amazing. Just trust me. And while my clients do, there's still like that little bit of disconnect. Like I'm spending all this money. I haven't seen it and I can't see it unless I want to drive three hours up to Dallas. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and I was talking to a sales rep of mine the other day and she was like, well, I can, I can bring you a bunch of stuff. We can meet at Starbucks anywhere. I know you work out of your home and I'm like, that's amazing. And I wish that were more, um, available, like not so much like fabric swatches, but the, the bigger, the bigger ticket items, some way for designers and smaller, smaller cities to, you know, have resources and access to that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Um, all three of you have been so generous with your time. Last question I have for you is, um, this is a, this is kind of a two-parter and I'm curious, um, part of it is how has the design itself changed as in, and by the way, um, Veronica, I'm going to start with you on this one. So you can start preparing accordingly. Um, how has the design changed specifically as in what are clients asking you for now, you know, before we, we started, you and I were talking a little bit about the multiple kitchens, you know, the multiple in-home kitchens and sort of that idea, right? But how has your design changed as far as what clients are asking for now that maybe they weren't asking for two and a half years ago? And then the other part of this is to break out the crystal ball a little bit, because I do, I do see designers and architects as futurists. I do see you as a futurist where you're kind of thinking about not necessarily where design is right now today, but what it's going to look like. And for designers, you know, you're looking 10, 15 years out for architects. They're looking 50, 75, hundred years out, you know? So for you looking at that 10 to 20 year window, what based on where we are now and how things are, are progressing, what do you anticipate clients asking you for in design? What's going to be different about residential design the way you see it? And I, and I would I would put a caveat to that because you're in very different locations. So you can make it regionally specific if you want. Veronica, thoughts? Uh, so I guess what's maybe what's different or what's sort of changed is I think people are really starting to understand their homes more and how they live in them. And so they're really asking for things that are specific and unique to how they live within those homes. So the idea of two kitchens might sound ridiculous, but to that person who's living in that home, they know that they have their, their back kitchen and that's where they, you know, they actually prep their stuff and then their front one, that's their, their beautiful sort of show. You know, I'm working with a client now where she was almost embarrassed, sort of ask, would it be ridiculous to have two dishwashers in the kitchen? And I was like, absolutely not. You have a huge family. And when you have these big events, you know, you, you're going to be constantly running one dishwasher. Why not put two? You have the space. So asking for things that make more sense for how they live their lives, I think is something that I'm seeing a lot more of. Um, and also just, you know, as people get more and more access to seeing design, 
they're seeing these different things and they're getting those ideas about all these, you know, unique features within the home and then it's, it's more accessible and they're able to say, well, I want this and I want that and seeing what's possible. So I think as that becomes even more and more accessible, then that's it. So I guess in the future, you know, the houses are going to become even more and more tailored to the individual and what their needs are. And it's going to become less and less sort of cookie cutter and more about the individual lifestyle. Tara? Um, yeah, I think, especially in North Texas, homes are getting larger. I feel like every home that I have, every new construction that I work on, it's, it's growing. <laughs> and, um, and I think a lot of time, a lot of it is because people are spending more time in their home. So they want very specific things in their home, you know, at home gym or, you know, um, a lounge space to entertain in and to really make sure that their house is something that they can, you know, not have to leave to go enjoy other places, you know, but actually stay in and enjoy their home and, and use it almost as like a staycation. Um, because, you know, as gas prices increase and everything else, people are not wanting to travel so much. So really having it again, tailored to your home, having um, it organized really well too, so that you kind of know where everything's going in a certain space. Um, I find that a lot of clients are more, you know, maybe it's the addition of the home edit on, on Netflix or something, but people are really into the organization of their home and where to put their, their specific things and have their hobbies and, and that sort of thing. I think where it's going though, um, you know, I, I see a lot more traditional design approaching. Like I, um, I do a lot of like clean line moderns, but I feel like a lot of, a lot more traditional elements and maybe it's the introduction of antiques and, and things that, again, you can source locally and, you know, refurbish and reuse and recycle. I think that's kind of where a lot of my clients are, are liking because they're kind of tired of the cold, modern space. They want that warm, inviting environment. Yeah, interesting. Kristen, the last word goes to you. Yeah, um, well, quickly to, to touch on, on what you just said, um, I'm seeing a lot more color. People are asking for color and brighter, warmer tones in general because we're in our homes a lot more and we're kind of straying away from the cold, modern um, design. But also I think the big one is, you know, the open floor plan used to be the it thing. Everybody wanted the open floor plan. And now it's almost a complete opposite. People are needing that separation. They need a private separate office, um, private homework or kids area for homeschooling you know, people are working from home and going to school from home, if not indefinitely, at least for the time being. Uh, the home gym is a big one as well, but also um, something different that I'm seeing is a lot more automation. So, and just making your life easier, whether that means everything is controlled by Alexa or Google Home, whatever it is, um, voice controlled window shades, integrated vacuums in your baseboard, um, automatic soap dispensers, water fillers, you name it. Um, just a lot more automation and making your life easier. It's fascinating, isn't it? Um, it is. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of. Um, and I imagine too, as a designer, it's got to be a little intimidating. So, mm -hmm. you know, and for that reason, um, 
this is conversations like this, I think are really, really important. And, and Kristen, Tara, Veronica, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And you guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you love talking about great partnerships the same way I do. Let me tell you about an incredible design partner who is working with us on the Convo by Design Remote Design House Tulsa project, Franz Wigner. A company created in 1899 in Attendorn, Germany. They started manufacturing brass beer taps. In 1921, the company expanded to Buenos Aires, manufacturing brass faucetry. The company launched in the U.S. in 1992, and Franz Wigner Premium Collection began in 2008. Franz Wigner crafts high-quality, premium faucets with the objective to create a design-oriented luxury product that exceeds the standards set by world-class designers and architects. Pretty heady stuff, and they do it. If you see a Franz Wigner faucet, it is stunning. You use Franz Wigner faucets, and they perform flawlessly. Product you can depend on after over 120 years designing a truly stunning faucet line. For more information and to check out the entire line of faucets, visit franzwigner.com. So I'm going to spell it for you, right? (laughs) F-R-A-N-Z-V-I-E-G-E-N-E-R.com. Thank you, Franz Wigner. Thank you, Kristen, Veronica, and Tara. I am so grateful for your time. Thank you, Thermosol, Article, York Wall Coverings, Franz Wigner, and Moya Living for your partnership and support. You are remarkable partners and amazing allies for the trade. And for that, I thank you. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the podcast. You know this already because I've told you literally hundreds of times, but there are hundreds of past episodes of Convo by Design that you might not have heard, and especially not if you're, if you're new to the show. So go check them out, and I hope you like them. Be well, and take today first. Mm-hmm.